Welcome to the show. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. This podcast is uncut, unscripted, and we talk about a wide range of topics such as black entrepreneurship, social injustice, education, finances, the family dynamic, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and mental health, along with many more. It's a Real Talk podcast to empower, educate, encourage, uplift, and inspire, and to allow others to be better than they were yesterday. Japur's Clothing is a new stylish black-owned brand established in 2016. They explore unfamiliar territories in the clothing industry by tailoring their Euro Street vibe into their entire product line to enrich their vision to their customers and all of their clients. In a world where you can be anything, Japuris says, be you, be versatile. Japuris clothing can also be found at www.shopjapurisclothing.com. Com. And Japaris Clothing is also an official partner of this show, Real Talk with the Six Man. Japaris, be you, be versatile. You're listening to Real Talk with the Six Man. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday I gotta be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday We gotta be better, do better, that's every minute, every second Drop a juice, hope you collecting them. The voice of the people, we all gon' get heard. This real spill, never clear what I say. Always tuned in, never tuned out. Gotta stay walking, be a sleepwalker. Gotta stand up, got too many stand out. Stay ready, like the six man of the year. We up now. We, we, we up now. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday. No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday. Welcome back to the show, y'all. Welcome back to the show. You tuned into Real Talk with the Six Man. And um, this month is a very important month for me um, because it's one of them um, it's one of them months where, you know, we have mental health awareness. And I think that it's not spoke about as much as we would like to um, discuss it. But I think that it's one of those discussions that need to be talked about a lot more. So a definition for mental health is a person's condition within regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. 
Um, this just basically means that if somebody, you know, is having a mental issue, that um, it will come out in their emotions, how they act, how they speak, um, how they interact with other people. And sometimes it's um, misdiagnosed. Sometimes people do have mental health issues and a lot of times people don't get treated for it. Or you may have some individuals that may know that they have some mental um, problems and just have, I would say, too much pride to want to talk about it. And so I think that um, it just needs to be a discussion more often. Like, I mean, with everything that we got going on, the COVID-19, uh, the young man who just got killed in, um, in, uh, in Georgia. I mean, it's a lot to talk about, but I think that mental health kind of is the foundation that stems a lot of, um, you know, people's troubles. I mean, when we talk about mental health um, and we think about neighborhoods, um, the black in the black community, you know, you can ask anybody, you know, some of the you know, things that they've gone through, you know, some things that they've seen as they grew up. And I would say that majority of everybody who grew up in the, you know, I want to say hood, you know, has some type of mental illness, whether it's PTSD, you know, psychological, you know, imbalance. I mean, whatever you want to call it, you know, it, there are some problems that, you know, are um, based off, you know, uh, economic standards and where people live and things of that nature. So, I was telling people that mental health awareness month for me is important because I want to try to talk about it as much as I can. And I was telling a friend of mine this morning that, um, you know, one of the things that I did um, in terms of trying to get my mental health um, back on track was where I, I sat down and spoke to a psychologist and she was black, luckily for me, and she was married. She had kids. So we, we, we had a, a, a huge discussion on about a lot of things. But it was one of the best decisions that I made in my life because I was going through some stuff that I didn't know how to kind of talk to anybody about it. And I think for the most part, she allowed me to kind of just talk. And it kind of took me from what I was dealing with, why I went there. And then it just took me all the way back to like when I was young and didn't realize I had so much weight on my shoulders that I didn't that I that I wasn't talking about. So this episode is going to be mainly talk. We're going to be mainly talking about mental health. And I actually have a friend of mine um, who's on the line. And, you know, I, I want to first and foremost say thank you. Um, I, I think that um, you um, you sharing your story, I think, will help a lot of people. And also, I want to say happy Mother's Day as well. Um, but I got a friend of mine. Yeah, I got a friend of mine. Her name is Melva. Um, we went to high school together. And we um, we talked about a little bit um, about what we want to talk about. But I kind of told her that, you know, I want her to kind of share you know, her testimony. So that way people get a, um, a, a close view of the impact and that you can't get through it. I don't want people to think that just because, you know, you, you may or may not have a mental health issue and, and think that you can't get it fixed. I mean, it can be rectified. I mean, it's going to take time, but it can be rectified. So Melva, how you doing today? I'm doing good. So what you, about you? I'm, I'm good. What, what, what mother's, what, what, um, what mother's day look like for you today? Chilling, relaxing, and letting my husband and boys cook um, seafood for me. Oh wow! So you about to get it all the way in? Okay, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, we're gonna dive right into this, man, because I think that a lot of people need to know um, what mental health looks like. I had a discussion about it a while back, and I think in one of the talks that I had, you know. One of the one of the quotes that I used was, "What does mental health look like?" Right, and so my mm-hmm. my main question for that was, you know, people think that mental health has a look, like it has a specific race, 
Like it has a specific color. Like it is only for men or women. But this thing hits everybody. Men, women, kids, you know, any race. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, what what's kind of what's kind of your take on mental health and kind of talk about, you know, your, your dealings with mental health as well. Okay. So let me just start by saying that everybody has mental health the same way everybody has physical health. Some people deal with mental health issues or mental health illness. Um, I remember I want to say almost six years ago when I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. When the doctor told me that, I mean, I remember verbatim running. My doctor's office used to be downstairs from where I worked. And I remember running down there to her and saying, I'm having a heart attack. Mm. She's like, Nicole, I mean, she always felt like, I run to the doctor for everything. But that time I knew it was something serious. And I remember her saying to me, you know, you're not having a heart attack. Sit down. I'm almost certain you're having an anxiety attack. I said anxiety. Immediately, I felt like, are you calling me crazy? So Mm. that's why I say, because, again, a lot of people don't understand that we all have mental health. Your mind, mental health is the same as your physical health. And the issue is when you don't take care of your mental health, it brings on mental issues the same way it would with your physical health. So I, because I didn't understand that, which is why I'm standing here, I didn't understand that. When I saw mental health anywhere, it could have been a commercial or what have you, six plus years ago, I looked straight past it because in my mind, I'm not crazy in quotation because that's the word people give or think when they see mental health. Yeah, that's that that's that stigma that people put on it. Exactly, exactly. Which is what I felt. I mean, literally when that when my doctor said you're having an anxiety attack, all type of emotions, thoughts, feelings, I mean, just ran through my mind and I'm I'm looking at her like, What are you telling me? And then after further research, we realized that I was also depressed. Mm. So I was dealing with um, an anxiety disorder. I mean, I was so full of anxiety that if I was standing alone and you touched my shoulder, the type of lightning feeling that went through my body was out of this world. I was so full of anxiety that it was unbelievable. I didn't want to leave the house. And then I was trying to connect, how does that in my mind, like, how does this feeling in my mind connect? Which, mm. you know, made me do more research. And again, I'm, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor or any of that. But today I'm an advocacy for mental health because I understand how important it is to stay mentally healthy. I understand what it means when people say self-care is not getting your nails done. Right. I mean, that's a good time. But that's not self-care. Self-care is dealing with the things in your life that bother you. Talking about the things in your life that you need to talk about. Stop, you know, bonding down the things that you know bother you. Right. And I had to do all of that to get back to a good mental health. So um, I'll say a thousand times, 
it's important. I like that you shared that you went and you said with the psychiatrist. That was my very that was the very first thing my doctor had me to go do. Sit with a psychiatrist. I made seven appointments or more before I actually went. Because again, the stigma, the shame, mm. how did I get here? Right. Why am I here? Right. My life is fine. I'm good. Like these are the things that I was telling myself all while sitting in the bathroom shaking, trying to catch my breath. Uh, like, looking at the wall, like, you're okay, Melvin, you're okay, while I'm feeling like the woman's closing in on me. So, clearly, I wasn't fine. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling yourself you're okay, but clearly, you're not okay. I was not okay. But the stigma made me tell myself, you're okay. Who, who, what if somebody sees you going in here to see a psychiatrist? Why do you need to see a psychiatrist? You're not crazy. And I knew I wasn't crazy, but again... Seeing a psychiatrist don't mean you're crazy. It just means you need to see a doctor. It just means the same. It means the same thing as if I broke my foot out here. I'm going to go see the orthopedic doctor. Right. Like I'm not going to go just go to ER and expect the nurse in the ER to help me with my foot. I needed to see a specialist. The issue, my mental issue, had gotten to a point where I needed to see the specialist for this. But again, when you don't understand that because mental illness is not talked about in the black community. It is not. When I first mentioned I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, the only advice I got was to pray about it and don't let the devil convince you that you lose your mind. I'm like, the devil is winning because <laughs> I said, like, don't lose your mind. Like, that's how I felt. Mm. But I'm happy that I had a doctor, a black doctor, who said to me, this is not my specialty, but you need to see someone. So let me say, I'll go with this. So let me ask you this, though. So you said that when you first talked about it, somebody mentioned that you should pray about it. And and I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure... I'm pretty sure you probably did, but after mm-hmm. you after you prayed on it and it felt like it wasn't working, what was the decision for you? I mean, what was the 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 main factor that you decided that you wanted to go speak to a professional? My husband travels um, with his job, and I remember before he left, he said, "When I get back, we're going to see somebody." And I said, well, "Why?" Like. What do, we, what do you mean, like a counselor? Like we want to nurse counselor? And he said, no, we want to see somebody for you. I said, for me? What's wrong with me? Mm. He said, Melba, you're not real. And it just hit me so hard because I've always known him to care, you know, to care for me. Like, he's always making sure I'm good. So because that was a part of him, I knew and I said, okay, this is it. He left to go to England. Uh, not in, um, yeah, England. He left. Um, and I was in the house for a week straight. I didn't leave out. I was in the house, me and my two youngest sons. We were in the house every day. And the look on their face every day, like, that wasn't normal. Mm. When we got home, we went outside, we were running around. And it was just like, why you back in the bed? You know, you're sleeping. And then I just thought it. I had to acknowledge, Mel, that something is not right. Right. So um, I had a, a bottle of medication my doctor gave me. I forget what it was, but it was one of the brands of um, the anxiety medication. Um, 
take it on the tip of my tongue, I can't think of it. But she had gave it to me, and I said, you know what, I'm going to take one. And I took one. But this is the thing about me. Because anxiety had me worrying so much, when I took the medication, it fit my anxiety through the roof. Then I was worried. I sat up all night and was going to sleep. I was afraid. Wait. The next day I said, Wait, wait. So you said that you took the medication reluctantly, like you took it mm-hmm. reluctantly, but then when you took it, it made it made it worse. It made it worse. Wow. Because I had read all the side effects. I had, you know, I sat there with the medication. The reason why I hadn't taken the medication thirty days prior to that day, when the doctor gave it to me, was because I felt like this is going to make me worse. I felt like, you know, the, the side effects were uh, suicidal thoughts. Okay, I'm already having those, so now what? Like, am I going to commit suicide at this point? I My mind was so all over the place that I couldn't heal myself. And, it was, and I tell people, I am by far not saying it. Like, prayer works. I've seen it. I'm a witness that prayer works. But prayer without faith and work does not. So although I was trying to God to heal me until I dealt with the issue. Right. And again, I have to say, because people would say that, the same people that said to me, pray about it, pray about it, were saying especially for other health issues they were having. Going to see, you know, an orthodontic because the dentist couldn't perform the surgery. Okay. But you're also praying for healing. So I needed to go see the right people, the right doctor, while also praying. Because I had to pray a lot. Because what I didn't realize is when you start digging into mental health, it brings about the things that you've buried for years that right. you're not aware of. Exactly. Exactly. So, <clears throat> seeing a specialist, you know, I thought about what my husband said about, you know, getting help. I thought about, um, you know, somebody, uh, I forgot the lady's name, but she told me, she said, you'd be surprised of the marriages that go down because of um, sickness. Right. Even one of the partners get frustrated, it becomes too much. And all that was going and, you know, going through my mind, and I said, Melba, you know, you need to go do this. So I made my appointment. The next day I got up, I made my appointment, and I went, and I sat in there, and I promise you, the first two sessions, I didn't say a word. I tried both hours, like both sessions, I cried the whole hour. What was what was and what then, was what was your thought behind the tears though? Like, what was the thought like? T- acceptance. Okay. I felt like I had stopped running. I had now accepted that this is real, and this is happening to me. Mm. And if I don't get control of this, then those thoughts I'm having of not wanting to be here may become a reality. Right. So I had to. You know, I sat there, and, I mean, she was amazing, and we sat, and she just let me cry, and she said, I, and I kept apologizing, I'm like, no, I need to say something to the lady, and she was like, no, sweetie, you don't have to say anything. She said, there is so much healing happening right now that you don't even understand. Right. And it, and it was. When right. I left there, I felt like I had dropped pounds of meth. But you, but you hadn't said a word, though. I hadn't said a word, wow. but just accepting that it was okay right. to be in that place was so refreshing for me. 
so I was able to just release, and I mean, it was just, and then when I was, because my husband would drive me, so when I would get back in the car, I mean, like, I wasn't driving. Like, this was serious, Kevin. I had become almost, like, paralyzed. All mm. I was walking around, I slept for, like, a year. Like, got up, went to work, came home, got in the bed. That's how deep it was. It was, there was mornings I would wake up, and I would feel like a 400-pound Something was sitting on my chest. I couldn't get off the bed, and I was sick. Like God, my okay. Let me get off the bed. I gotta mm. go to work. And so I was praying, but I had to do the work. I had to get up, face the reality that something was wrong with me, and do the work to be healed. And I just want to share this quick little thing. Um, the one of the therapists I was talking to because I've always admired counselors and therapists therapist and psychiatrist but from afar I had never planned on sitting on their couch mm-hmm. but I had always admired them and I asked one of the um, therapists that I used to see and I said what made you want to be a therapist and she said when I was doing my rent when she was doing her uh, residency she started out at a, at, at a um, psych ward she said and there was a lady there who was new and she said she spent a lot of time, you know, talking to her, praying, because she's a believer. And she said she don't know if it had became more of a thing of her wanting to see God work or to see if therapy work. But she witnessed both working. Oh, and wow. she sat with this lady every day, sat with her, sat with the lady, could not speak at all, sat with her. She said, I could sit with her for six months. The lady asked for a piece of paper, you know, just like, not with her mouth, but with body movement, asked for a piece of paper. She said she gave her a piece of paper and she started to write. She said the doctors in that center told her that was the first time that lady had any form of communication with anybody. She said after a year and a half of working with this lady, that lady talked and came out of that psych ward because it has been proven that when people talk about their issues, there is healing in that. And she said at that moment, she made a switch. She was not, she did not go to school to be a therapist, a counselor. She went to school to be a different type of doctor. But after seeing God and therapy in that way, she switched her whole major. Actually, mm. not major, but she switched her whole career path and became a therapist. Wow. That blessed me so much because when she told me that, I needed to hear that. Because that gave me the power to want to sit there and talk. Because even though I had did about six sessions at that point, I still wasn't ready to talk. Mm. I, because first of all, I didn't know what was going on. We talk about unpacking years of stuff. Right. So, you know, it, it was amazing. And I said, I promote therapy, counseling. If you listen, <laughs> you have no idea but I think but I also think though people don't understand that you know what you were just saying because my thing is I'm I'm okay with you know if you're if you're to the point where you need to have drugs or if you're to the point where they need to actually prescribe mm-hmm. you something because some people some people are more off you know um yes. the the mental rails than others right and so some people may need medication but i i was i was digging the fact that 
um, the, the therapist was saying that, you know, it's good to just talk because sometimes I feel like, you know, yeah, medication, like you said, has its side effects. But talking, the only side effect that talking has is just releasing weight off of you. You know what I mean? Right. And so I yeah. was I was yeah. telling a friend of mine that I thought that it would be nice to have more black therapists. That way people of color wouldn't be so um, reluctant to go. Because a lot of times when okay. you go to a therapist, I'm not saying that they're all white, but a lot of times when you go to a therapist, even when I was locked up, they wanted me to go talk to a therapist and it was a white lady. And I was like, what is this white lady going to know about, you know, what, what I'm going through? So when I was locked up, I, I mean, I went. As a way of not being in the unit, I went as a way of kind of getting out my cell. But when I went, I wasn't really there talking about nothing. I was just there for the 45, 30 minutes it was just to kind of be out of my normal day to day, you know, while I was locked up. But when I had the opportunity to sit down with this therapist, and I'm going to just say this. I mean, when I went, it was initially for my marriage because my marriage had gotten to a point where it was just it was it was too much. It was just all over the place. And I remember going. And the first session, you know, I was there, my uh, ex-wife was there, and baby Gianna was there. And I remember I got upset, um, and I got upset, but I kind of calmed down. And then I remember the the, the therapist kind of, you know, going over some stuff. And at the time, my ex-wife felt like the therapist was attacking her, right? And so she decided she didn't want to go. And I had already set it up. Um, I think I had already paid for like a couple sessions. And so when I was getting ready to leave, the therapist was like, Kevin, even though she doesn't want to be here, just based off some of the stuff that I've heard you release thus far, I think it would be a good idea for you to, to keep coming. So I thought about it and I kept going. And I would say, Melva, the first maybe three sessions that we did, it had nothing to do with my marriage. Yeah. It had nothing to do with anything that was going on in my marriage. It had all to do with you know, um, everything that I had dealt with, um, you know, up until the point where I realized that my father and my mother weren't together anymore. Right. Right. And I didn't really, I didn't really deal with that, you know, cause it was like, I was already born and already kind of, you know, dealing with the fact that my mother was here and my father was there. I was already, you know, kind of dealing with that. I mean, so it was kind of my life, but I never thought about the why. Right. And so I would see other kids with their mother and father and I would see other kids, you know, their father's picking them up. And, you know, and and my father, you know, he he played his part, you know, as much as he could. But I I felt like in that moment, as I start talking, she grabbed that notepad and start writing and just let me talk. And, And like I say, the first three sessions that we had one on one with her had nothing to do with my marriage, Joe. It was all just like you say, all that stuff that you've been that you got packed away. And I, I, I know sometimes people always say, you know, when you get in a relationship, everybody got baggage, right? right. And, and I think now, you know, after going through marriage and going through a divorce and, and actually, you know, going to speak to a counselor that I have a, I have a whole new outlook on baggage because baggage right. doesn't necessarily need to be bad, right? But it right. needs to be talked about because if you, if you have the baggage and you're not going to talk about it, then yeah, that's bad. But if you have right. baggage and you're willing to talk about it, then you can compartmentalize, you know, areas that you're that you're good in, and then areas that you still need mm-hmm. to work on. And so right. you you find out that you're not as bad as you thought you were, but you do need work. And so right. I think that you know, for me, and and it's just funny that I had a friend, um, and I think 
um, I had posted some stuff about mental health because it's, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month. But he texted me and he was like, um, I don't know why. He was like, but Slim, what you put on Facebook, man, I just I just booked a session with a therapist. I was like, man, that's what's up. I said, man, I'm trying right. to tell you it's going to be the best it's going to be the best decision that you ever made. And I know people may see it. I know people may, you know, identify, but they don't necessarily take that step forward to actually do it. So I know for me, you know, again, and talking to her and realizing how much stuff that I had that was, you know, you know, um, on my heart, it was like, I was doing stuff and trying to blame somebody else. But at the whole time I'm doing it because there's something wrong with me. Like people, used to want to know why, you know, I used to rob people. People wanted to know why <clears throat> I was so angry. People wanted to know why I was so upset. I remember um I had a com- I had a conversation with Gloria offline. And um mm-hmm. Gloria was like, I remember you came in the office one day and you was pissed off. And I mean, you was mad at the world. And so when I talked to her after the fact, I kind of told her, you know, kind of what I was going through at that point. And she was like, if you wouldn't have never told me that, I would have thought you you were just a bad kid. I would have thought that you was just, here we go, another bad kid. But now, right. kind of you telling me what was going on, and I go back 20 years and looking at you back then, it's like, wow, he was dealing with something. And I mean, a lot of times, right. you know, um, we 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 have our different ways of crying out, right? And so, like, even with mm-hmm. the youth, I mean, right now, I'm actually working with two partners, and we're trying to get a nonprofit started, right? But I think that mm-hmm. the reason why I want to do the nonprofit is because I'm one of those kids. When I see these kids that, you know, they call them disadvantaged youth or these kids that, you know, don't have parents or maybe in a single mm-hmm. family, you know, situation, mother, they live with their mother, but the father's either dead, gone, or locked up or in the street or whatever the case may be, there's a mental there's a mental case there. And I'm not saying it to be, yeah. you know, bad, but there's that no, kid yeah, that kid needs help. And I mean, nine times out of 10, the mother may need help too. So I told them that, you know, a lot of times when I see these kids and I see people saying, oh, these kids off the hook, the reason why I have a feeling towards that is because I look at those kids and I remember me being like that. And, I, and I'm and i like, they not, they not off the hook. Y'all got to redirect your thinking. They are crying out for help. I mean, even though some of the stuff that they doing are, is, is heinous, you know, walking up on each other, killing, shooting each other, killing and all that. It's heinous, but at the end of the day, jail is not necessarily going to be the thing that's going to help them. They are crying out for some professional help. And I think that people need to understand that a lot more so that way we can kind of, you know, build our community a lot, you know, a lot, a lot stronger. So, I, I, I mean, when you talked about going and you felt like, you know, it was a struggle because you felt like, you know, what am I crazy? Am I supposed to be here? Once you right. start opening up, like how, like what was the what was the dialogue? Once you start opening up, and what was kind of the the feedback from the from the counselor? So, I want to say about for the first two sessions, like I said, I cried. I cried. I remember um, when we clo- we were closing out the second session, and I said, "I got to be able to face something." And she was like, "You do, but you will." She said, "I'm telling you." This is better than the people that come in here and they have, you know, they have their issues, but they want to tell me and they want to tell me how to help them. She said, then you have people that come to here and they don't say anything because they don't even want to be here. She said, you crying is so much hope 
and being able to help you. Mm. And I said, okay. And, I mean, she was a Christian counselor, so, of course, you know, she prayed us out. Mm. And when she was praying, she said, whatever lays burden on this lady's heart, God, let her release it tonight. Mm. You know, allow her to release it tonight. And I went home, and I was expecting to feel something, and I didn't. But then next morning, when I woke up, I said that, and I was like, God, what is laying on me? Like, what? understand that this may be some stuff from childhood or but right now I felt like I was fine mm. so what was it so I left and I went I mean I you know had that conversation in my head got up I went to work and I went to my session that evening I got off I went to my session I was sitting there so we talking session three or probably could have been four but we, we sitting there and she started she said bring me pictures. I want a childhood picture. I want a like a baby. I mean a baby picture, a childhood picture, maybe a teenager, twenties, somewhere around there, and they bring me a picture of you now. Mm. And I said, okay. Took her the pictures. She put them up, and I said, I when I was looking at the picture, I just felt so sad, and I'm like, was that it? But <laughs> as I was sitting there looking at the pictures, I was like, wow, that baby had dreams and goals. Mm. But something got in the way. Mm. She's saying that's what we're going to figure out. Wow. And we start, you know, she started saying, she said, but look at this girl. She said, what about this girl? And I wanted to I was maybe 10. And I remember at 10 years old, I came home and I told my parents I wanted my name to be Sabrett. And my father said, Sabrett? And I said, yeah, call me Sabrett. But at 10, why didn't I want to be Melba? Oh, wow. So that made, you know, that she was like, that's serious. Mm. But as a kid, I just want to be some black. Right. So we started to dig in that. And then she said, what about this girl? And I remember I had gave her a picture. I don't even know why, but I gave her a picture of, it wasn't just of me. It was me playing in the kid. And I realized that when I got married at such a young age, although I, you know, I wanted that. I didn't realize what was coming. Mm. At 22 years old, and, you know, marrying, we getting married, and we both had our own, you know, a kid. I had a son, he had a son. We brought our families together. Didn't realize when you marry somebody, you're marrying your families. And when they have kids, you're actually marrying into those families. Right. So I didn't realize that I never dealt with the stuff that baby Melba, then 10 year old Melba. Now we're talking 22 year old married Melba. And then now what brought anxiety to the head was the adult Melba, all her kids gone off out of you know, out of school, heading off to college. My husband was doing his thing on his job and there I was trying to figure out what happened in my life the last twelve, fifteen years. Right. I haven't been everything everybody needed hmm. for me. Hmm. And that's why I was having that anxiety attack six years ago. I was sitting at my desk, and a girl, I went to YouTube, and the girl could have been 40. I think it was her 40th birthday. And she was just, she was on a stage, and she was encouraging women. At five, I used to line up my doll babies and tell every last one of those doll babies how great they could be. 
God had given me the gift to encourage people, to encourage women. But somewhere between, like I said, being a kid and childhood trauma, and then, you know, being that 10 year old, running from Melba, wanting to be suppressed, to getting married and now being a wife and a mom to three boys, I had time to entertain what I dreamt of being when I was a baby, when I was 10. So I had totally abandoned me to be what my family needed. And we sat and we talked about it. And it brought more tears and more frustration because it's like, how did you let this happen? Why? Mm. I could have very well went on to be what, what I wanted to be. They weren't stopping me. Right. But then that's when, that's when the other issues started to rise. What, what, whatever happened in your childhood, and I'm, I'm still working through this. To the, me and my husband had a conversation yesterday about getting to the bottom of things that happened in my childhood that I don't remember but make sense. Mm. It's like, okay, that makes sense because why do I feel this way or why do I look at things that way? So I was hiding. I didn't feel worthy. I was hiding from something and I used my family as a cover-up. I can't deal with, I can't chase my dreams because I got to help them chase their dreams. Mm. And when I'm sitting at my desk at a job that I hated and I'm trying to figure out now what I felt stuck Quentin growing at his job. My son's off to college, graduating high school, and I'm sitting here rooting for them, and I'm in this slump like, now what with me, though? I mean, but if you think about it, though, you you the you the glue that's keeping it all together, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you the you the you the backbone. I mean, you the one that's making sure they eat, you the one that's making sure, you know, that they on top of their stuff. I'm pretty sure when they forgot mm-hmm. something, you the one saying, Hey, you forgot this. So all right. in all, you know, their their success has a lot to do with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Yeah. And and that's true and every day they tell me thank you. But it's like, did I have to totally abandon me though? Could we all just chase our dreams? <laughs> like, you right. know, it's just like so that is one of the things that I, you know, I'm dealing with today in therapy. And one of the things, um, you know, I'm learning is that what what I did was okay. How I did it was the problem. Mm. You know, a lot of moms put their life on hold for their kids. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. We put our, you know, we put our, our life on hold to do and be what we need to be for the people that we love. But the only problem is when you're, I'm not going to say I was doing it for the wrong reason, but the reason that I was doing it wasn't necessarily let me do this for them. Right. It was because of trauma from my childhood that I was running from, keeping busy with them, protecting them, not letting them go no Wednesday, not, you know, making sure they okay. They come in the door. I got 99 questions. That time I could have been doing something for me. But because I hadn't dealt with stuff that, you know, I didn't even know. First, again, from I, one thing one of my therapists um, told me is that from five years old and under, most people don't remember that trauma. But because you live with it, it may be things in your life that trigger. And some people die never knowing. Right. Like some people go into old age and never get to the bottom of it. Right. 
because there's a, you know, for different reasons, we block it, we really don't want to know, we don't, deal, you know, we're not going to deal with it, or it's just so embedded in that sometimes you just never break into it, and that's a fear for me because I want to I want to know. I want to know so I can deal with certain things. I feel like to know will close the gap. Right. Because I'll better understand why I'm the why I do certain things. Right. I have I know for a fact at ten, it just wasn't normal for me to come home and want to be somebody different. Like I can still feel the emotion behind wanting to be called Sabrat. Mm. Who is the brat and why? <laughs> right. Who who is that? <laughs> right. right. The whole name. Where did it come from? Right. Right. I mean, I can remember, you know, vaguely my mother going through that as well. Like I remember, you know, her not wanting to even go outside. I remember, you know, she would probably sit on the, the balcony and kind of watch us play, but she didn't want to be outside. Like we had people that used to bring us food because she wouldn't go to the grocery store. And I mean, when you're young, you don't you don't really know what that is because you're so young. You just you just think mommy don't feel good. But in actuality, mommy is really dealing with something that, you know, she can't even explain to us. You know what I mean? Right. Like like you talk to your kids about everything. I mean, I, I would think I would think parents kind of talk to their kids about everything. But it's like when your kids are so young. And they wouldn't physically understand the mental aspect right. of it. It's like, how do I talk to them about that? Like, how do I tell right. them that this is what I'm dealing with? And I think for the most part, you know, you know, just listening to, you know, just listening to you talking is like, you know, it's a lot. I can I can imagine, you know, all the mothers that are probably dealing with, you know, certain things that can probably be compared to some of the things that you've dealt with because I I, I would assume right. that all mothers care for their kids. They don't want anything to happen to them. You know, they want to mm-hmm. make sure that they're the best for their husband. And I mean, it talks about another conversation in terms of being in a relationship and marriage because people always joke about, you know, I, I was in a group chat the other night and somebody asked, you know, would you be able to deal with somebody in terms of dating? Would you be able to deal with somebody that had a, like, like, a, um, an abusive habit, like maybe like drugs or porn or whatever the case may be. And people jokingly, you know, were saying no myself. I said no, but I had a description of why. But people don't stop and take the time to think about how serious that may be because that person may be really dealing with something and they may be needing that help and you may be the help that they need. But just by you saying no, now they got to start their whole cycle all over again because once you find out that that person is like that, you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that person. I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. So I think that a lot of people, like you say, hide or mask their mental issues because they think that you know it's going to hinder them in life. But honestly, the less you deal with that, then you're right. basically hindering yourself. Yeah. So yeah. you know, to me, I just feel like it's a, it's an ongoing conversation that I think we all need to have. Um, and you know, I mean, I would say that. In our community, you know, with everything that's going on outside of, you know, our physical life day to day, you know, I'm noticing now that the main thing that we can do as people individually is to take care of us first. And if that means 
getting up early to exercise, if that means changing our eating habits, if that means if we, mm-hmm. you know, want to stop drinking, want to stop, you know, smoking weed, whatever whatever it is we, we want to do, I think that's one of the things that we can focus on first that will help everything else, you know, kind of move smoothly in our life. Because I, I know for a fact for myself, you know, you know, being locked up, <clears throat> I tell people, I tell some people this story, but one time I got locked up, Melvin, and it was just for something minor. It was a minor, it was something very minor. And I got locked up on a weekend. And so I was there Friday night and I already had it in my mind that I wasn't going to get out until Monday, meaning that, you know, wait till court come up and all that. And so I remember the the be, uh, the, the correctional officer was telling me that the jail was fully packed and they had to put me in a lockdown unit, which is 20, 23 and one. I mean, you basically in your cell for 23 hours a day and you get out for an hour. And so I was in there for the weekend. I was like, I mean, it's the weekend. He was like, once we find space, we'll put you in another housing unit. I was like, all right, bet. Melva, I end up in 23 and one for six months. Wow. Six months. Wow. Right? So it got to a point where, you know, I was screaming. I was in that cell yelling. Let me the fuck out of here. I'm not supposed to be in here. You know, I mean, I was, I, I literally... Mm-hmm. I literally crooked out to the point where they came in my cell once and shackled, they, they made me lay on my stomach and they shackled my arms behind my back with my feet up in the air with my wrist tied to my to my feet. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. in there, I was in there for at least a day just trying to figure out what happened. And right. so I finally calmed down. Um and I just remember doing push-ups like every day all day i remember just doing push-ups every day all day and you know without having to talk about that too much i mean because that brings back so many memories that people you know wanted to know Mm -hmm. why i was the way i was and it was like i'm not set up like this because this is what i want to be it's just kind of who i am based off my experience and i remember having breakfast i was like three in the morning to do you know, CO came to the door, boom, boom, Williams, get up. So I got up, got to put your wrist out the door so he can see your ID. He checked it or whatever. And when he checked it, I remember the little thing that he checked it, it like made a buzzing sound, beep, beep. And he was like, what you doing in here? I looked at him like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? So, you know, we, we had a little verbal at the door or whatever. So he went downstairs and he came back up. He like, Slim, you're not even supposed to be in here. You had a court date. I mean, Melva, I had a, I had a, I had a bench warrant. Out for my arrest because I didn't go to court. I mean, it was so much that went on. It was just crazy because I'm like, how can I have a bench warrant and I'm in custody? Like, how does how does that even how does that even happen? So I mean, of course, I feel like everything happens for a reason, but I felt like when I got out and I got to a regular housing unit, I mean, I can only tell you this in the best way possible. It was like an animal being caged up, and now y'all let him out. Because I was a cold animal. Like, I remember getting out, and that first night, I'm eating dinner before we go in. This dude playfully took something off my tray. I knocked everything off my tray, turned it upside down, and you know what I did with that tray. Right. Right? And so I ended up having to go downstairs. They locked me in again, asked me what was going on, and I remember the psychiatrist. She came in and started asking me questions, and the first thing she asked, she was like, why did you do that? I was like, because I'm angry. And she was like, why? And so when I told her the story that I just told you about being in that cell for right. for six months, she she stepped out the room. 
when she came back, she was like, um, I want you to come back because I want you to come and talk to me uh, on Tuesdays or whatever the days was. And so I would go. But again, I wouldn't talk to her, though. I would just go and kind of just, you know, she thought I was talking to her, but I wasn't talking to her about shit. I was just I was right. just going with the groove. Right. But I remember actually going to the psychiatrist moving forward um, and, and kind of talking to her. And I kind of told her that story. And she kind of sat back on her seat, and I remember a tear came out her eye. And she yeah. she was like, so let me get this straight. She was like, you was in a cell for 23 hours a day. I said, and sometimes we didn't. I, I said, sometimes we didn't get an hour. Depending on who the CEO was, you might get out, and he might have an attitude, and he might tell everybody to go back in the cell. So you might get 15 minutes. You might get 20 minutes. I mean, it depends. But she was like, you was in that cell for 23 hours a day. For six months, I was like, yeah. She was like, wow. She was like, can we take a break? I was like, did I do something wrong? She was like, no. She had to go outside and take a break. Yeah. I was like, wow. That I mean, was, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, with that being said, that's just one of the many situations that I've had, you know, in my life, you know. And I feel like yeah. with that being said, I felt like talking about, you know, kind of mental health and PTSD. And I remember doing a PTSD episode and right in the middle of doing it, I thought to myself like, damn, I had PTSD and probably still got it. Oh yeah. Just, just don't, just, just haven't, just haven't like went and dealt with it like the way I supposed to. So I remember going to another black therapist and kind of talking to her about it. And she was like, you know, the only thing I can tell you to do is talk about it. She was like, there's no real medication that's going to help you with this except for you talking it out. She was like, because the more you hold it in, the worse off it's going to be. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, I I just feel like, you know, um, with everything going on, I don't want people to lose sight of their mental health because I believe that it kind of stems, you know, it kind of stems from everything. Like everybody has Mm -hmm. to like understand that that mental health aspect is, is, is serious. It really is. And I don't understand why people don't take, you know, the opportunity to want to do more to make sure they're okay. But, but one thing I will ask though, again, I mean, of of course, thank you for sharing, you know, some of your testimony. Yeah. But one thing I would say to end this, like what, what would be something in terms of advice? Like if it was a young lady you know, whether it was a young man, whether it was somebody your age, you know, maybe a co-worker, you know, somebody that maybe came to you. Because I remember you said that you, you know, have the gift of encouraging people. How, how would you mm-hmm. encourage somebody to go see a therapist? So, I'm actually, um, every day, every other day, sending a family member of mine a text. It's, you know, saying, go to therapy, go to therapy. But what I realized is that the the only way people are going to get up and go to therapy is if they if, if they've accepted that they need it. Because we don't want to accept mental illness, we won't go to therapy. Because it's I mean it's almost like telling somebody you need to go see the eye doctor, and they got twenty they think they got twenty twenty vision, but they bumping into stuff. Right. Clearly, there's an issue. Right. But until people right. accept that, you know, that there is an issue. But what I tell people is that even if you won't go to therapy, I, when I post on, on social media, 
talk to somebody mm-hmm. because you have to get it out. If you don't, if you don't want to go to therapy, write it down. COVID nineteen has, oh my God, I have cried so much during COVID nineteen because I've realized that like people I work with, friends, family yeah. members yeah. have been you know calling me questions like, no, how are you making it? Like, I'm not making it. I'm not, you know, I'm not okay. This yeah. is not okay. When you begin to sit down with your own thoughts, everybody mm-hmm. is at home. Some people are home alone. Mm-hmm. Some people are home with their abusers. Some people yeah. are in the very place that creates anxiety for them, that yeah. creates the mental illness that they're dealing with. If that is you, start writing because there's strength in that. When you begin to write down the things that you're feeling, when you begin to look at it on paper, it gives you strength to want to get out. But when you hold it in, the weight of that keeps you in the situation. Mm. You have to understand that it's time to let it go. You, I'm telling you, you're going to die. Literally. The suicide rate has gone up since COVID-19. It has. It, it, it's serious. People call it a quit. Yeah. And if you don't get out of the situation that you're in, I'm telling you, your family is going to bury you. It mm. is time to let go. Mm. Get you a journal and stop writing. If you're in a relationship with a man or a woman that's abusing you and you can't, you feel like you can't get out, you can. Start writing. You'll come up with a plan. Before you know it, you would have written down a plan to come out of that house. People have to understand there is power in talking. There is power in getting it out. Right. You have to talk to somebody. Inbox somebody. Tell somebody what's going on with you. You have to talk about it. Therapy is so important. It just bothers me because when I first started going to therapy, I had two people, the same two people that told me to pray about it, to come to me and say, um, and I, and I remember, I don't even know how we are in the conversation, I remember saying something like, um, shoot, I'm paying her $140 out of my pocket a session. And she was like, girl, when you could be, child, you've been out this time with God, I spend time with God. But you have to understand, the same way where people, again, go see a specialist for other issues, right. don't mind is everything. Right. The Bible says, so a man thinketh, so he is. Right. If your thinking is off, you're off. Right. You can't do nothing from an unstable mind. That's facts. So if a person is not thinking well, they are not well. Right. The, again, the same way if your foot is bothering you, you're not. Some people may you may start out rubbing that foot, pleading the blood over it. But after a while, when that pain starts nugging at you and it becomes unbearable. You go see somebody. Right. We have to stop telling people they don't need therapy. The shame that people get about going to therapy comes from their house, from their household, from their family members. Right. Right. It's a generational thing. Yes. 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 Because we are less of the population, but when it comes to suicide, we are the more black people. And people don't want to believe this because for whatever reason, we think white people are the only people committing suicide. No. Black people are dying at an all-time high. That's true. And we keep turning the blind in, blind eye, you know, 
turning the deaf ear to the fact that mental health is a really, mental illness is really bad in the black community. And like you just said, being in lockdown, being on lockdown, 23 hour lockdown for six months, and then you're expected to come out here and act like a human. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You needed to talk about what you went through. But again, because I promise you, most of our black men who deal with that come out here and the moment somebody say to them, man, you should see somebody. I'm not crazy. No, you're not. We're trying to keep you from going crazy. Yeah. But the black people, we don't, we don't acknowledge it. To this day, I have family members that when I talk about mental health, I spoke about it at church. He was like, why are you going to be telling them people that, girl, I wouldn't be telling No, because I wish some, I didn't have nobody. Right. Six years ago, I didn't have nobody. Right. Everybody looked at me like I had four heads when I said I was diagnosed with anxiety. So why are you depressed? You good. You got this. You got that. It's not about the physical. Nah. It's a mental yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. But because we don't understand, we push people away. So I would encourage everybody out there, if you're dealing with mental issues, if you're de- if it's not even mental issues, if you're dealing with just feeling overwhelming, if you feel like COVID-19, you've lost salary, you're not working, or whatever may be going on, write it down. Mm. There is power in that. Talk to yourself. Get it out. Yeah. That's the thing. Get it out. Because walking around with that type of weight only keep you down. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. You can't carry that around. You were you were not created to carry that around. I don't care who you are, superwoman, put it down. Strong man, put it down. Right. It is time to put that stuff down. And if you can't write write it anyway. Ain't nobody looking at it. We ain't, ain't ain't nobody worried about your balance. Put it on paper. And 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 not even that. I mean, even for me, you know, just record it. I, Cause I think when I first started this, it 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 felt like it was some form of therapy for me. I mean, depending on the topic. And it seemed like every time I talked about something, it was a life experience that I had where I could speak on it. And it was just like, damn, I've been through a lot of shit. And so it's just like the more, you know, people like you or myself, you know, that are willing to say, hey, you know, this is what we need to do. There's somebody out there that might not say anything, but they're listening. And they're like, damn, I wonder if I should do that. I remember, you know, just real quick, I remember talking about the Me Too movement. And I remember um, having a conversation on live. And a lot of mm-hmm. women was like going on me. and Because I was like, you know, if you're a victim, you need to talk about it. And, and you know, the young lady mm-hmm. was like, well, that's easy for you to say. You a man and this, that, and the third. And how would you know what to do if you've never gone through it? And I was just like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not speaking just to be talking. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I was molested at 10. And it was like. Everybody got quiet on the live. It was like, oh, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. So it's like I'm right. not, I'm not, I'm not just talking because I feel like you know we we just gonna have a conversation. I'm talking because it happened to me, and within right. I want to say 20 minutes, you know, I woke my aunt, and my uncle up, 
told them what was going on downstairs. They called my mother. Then they called the police. And then my mother came. Then the police came. Then they locked the dude up. I mean, it was just, it was like, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I held on to for 30 years. It wasn't something that I right. held on to for 20. You know what I mean? Like it's people out here right. that, I mean, and I told my man, it's a lot of these young men and I'm going to just be frank. It's a lot of these young men who have been molested. And the reason why they cold killers is because they got that land on their head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a lot of dudes that go to jail, get raped, come home, don't talk about it, and now they just cold animals. That's yeah. a that's a cry for help. I mean, yeah, you might have hurt somebody, you might have, you know, broke the law again, but that was a form of them crying out for help because they don't know how yeah. to talk about it. You know what I mean? So by you it's saying, by you, by yeah, by you saying, talk about it or slash write it down. I think those are the best two, you know, advices somebody can have and the third one could be like i said recorded like if you don't if you can't write it down if you don't want to talk just record if you don't want to talk to nobody in general just get you a recorder and just record it and then go back and push play and then now that's kind of you listening to your own voice talk about your issues and that may push you to go talk to somebody else because you can't help yourself talking to yourself right i mean you can you can probably help yourself in terms of listening to what you're saying and may get some direction, but you can't necessarily diagnose and help yourself. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I right. think that, I think that the conversation is one of those conversations that's going to be ongoing. I think I just wanted to have it, you know, just so people can hear other people and kind of just hear, you know, stuff that they've gone through. And I mean, again, I mean, I want to thank you because I mean, I know when we first initially talked about it, I was like, wow. And when you told me some of the stuff, I was just like, you no, know, that's why I tell people it doesn't have a face because I'm like, even though we went to school together and even though, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the years, we didn't, you know, see each other as much. But for me to hear that from you, I'm just like, whoa, for real? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. and so with that being said, can you imagine how many other people may hear this and be like, damn, that's me? Yeah. I need I yeah. need I need to really, you know, I, need, I really need to get some help. So, I mean, I you know, I appreciate, you know, the opportunity. I appreciate you know, having you on, I mean, I think that if it's anything um, that I can do on my end in terms of, you know, maybe helping out, you know, people that you may know, I mean, you can definitely push them to me and I can try to, you know, talk to them the best I can. I think with this nonprofit, you know, especially, you know, going after these young kids, I think it'll be helpful because we have a diverse group on our board of directors, you know, and I think that we will be able to be effective and impactful to people. Cause I know when I used to have to go to my little youth, you know, classes when I was, you know, on probation and stuff. And I would go to like these little classes for drug rehab and you know, all this stuff. I mean, even though I thought it was bullshit back then, now that I'm old, I'm like, that shit impacted me. You know, hearing other people's stories like, damn, I mean, one time I was in one of the classes and the lady was talking about how she sold all her kids clothes for crap. I was like, what? You know, and I'm like, in my mind, that ain't that ain't me. But guess what? I got another issue. My issue might not be drugs, but it's carrying a gun. Or if it ain't carrying a gun, it's being disrespectful. Or if it ain't being disrespectful, it's running in with the law. So, I mean, I can't look at this other lady for selling her clothes for crap because that was her, her that was her vice but now what is my vice so right. i can't i can't judge her so that's why i say i can't sit here and judge somebody else you know just because you know i feel like i'm kind of better you know than i was yesterday but it's other people out here that's still struggling and they need to yeah. you know it needs to be talked about so i'm a, i'm a, i'm a, i'm gonna thank you you know for for coming on and blessing me i mean i know it's mother's I'll day 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it's Mother's Day, so I know you. this is your day. So I, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to spend it with me. So now I want to give you an opportunity to finish your, your the rest of your day and, you know, have a chill and relaxed day. And, man, you get a chance, man. Tell Q I said what's up. You know, I, I like I said, when I saw the post, I was just like, I love y'all. And you was like, we love you back. I was like, but that's real, though. I mean, because y'all yeah. y'all been at it for a long time. And I remember when I got married. Yeah. Y'all were one of the couples that I thought about, and like Aww. you know, in high school, right? And so I was like, "This is something that I can do." I mean, I know some people that's did it. I mean, I wasn't as young as y'all, but I was like, "I know people that's done it." So I, this is something that I could do. Right. So I remember, you know, getting a divorce, and I remember y'all. I think y'all had celebrated. Y'all went somewhere and y'all took a picture, and it made me cry a little bit because it was like, "Here it is. I got married, and now I'm divorced, but they still pushing." But guess what? I right. I I, I would have never known the struggles that y'all were going through if, if I wouldn't have spoke to you. Right. 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 And so everybody right. got their struggle. Everybody got, you know, that, that conversation, but we don't know what it is because we don't know. Yeah. You know and what that, I mean? And that's real. And to go back to when you were saying about, you know, the me too, I feel like the more we had this conversation, just like the trigger, you know, everybody coming out, this, it happened to me. It happened to me. I mm -hmm. think that the more, we had this conversation, you know, people will come out and start saying, I'm dealing with right. mental health issues. I'm right. dealing with, because everybody grew up with us had some form of mental illness. Absolutely. I mean, come on now. Absolutely. The way we grew up, oh, man. we were never supposed to see oh, and man. go through the stuff that we saw and went through. Man. It's like that's you, but this is you too. So let's put these two together so we can get you mm -hmm. back. Yeah, because something ain't right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That but is I true. thank you, Kevin. Like, no I problem. really appreciate this because, like I said, it's not talked about. Right. Six years ago, I probably would have pulled on your leg had I known you were trying. You know, I mean, because I needed to hear. I right. needed to know that other people were dealing with this because, again, I was one of the ignorant people who thought this was a rich man or white man type thing like that's what we're told because that's what we yeah that's what we see on tv people that got money they just exactly. kill themselves you'd be like damn but they rich why they kill themselves but like that song exactly. more, more money more problems yeah so yeah. and that, that problem is already there absolutely they did not do that right <laughs> so, exactly you know, As, exactly I'm, I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation uh i was when you uh, check me, it was so funny because I was sitting there and I was just thinking about what I was saying I wanted to do something for couples because I had talked to another couple that we grew up with and I won't share their names because, you know, I don't right. know how deep they are out there, but right. they were dealing with the issues and they just wanted to know, like, how we got through it. And again, it was tough. I'm not sitting here saying every day was like, oh, babe, you're not well. No, sometimes mm, it's like, right. girl, I can't deal with you with this. Right. 
but because we love each other, because God is the foundation, and we said for you know for sickness, we're going to do this. Mm. We figured it out. But had I not went to therapy, I can't say that we'll still be here trying to figure it out. I was not good, but because we loved on each other and we poured on God and He prayed for me and we prayed together and we, I made a decision to go get help. We are still here, but it took work and it wasn't always pretty. It was hard work. It was real work. It was dealing with your feelings and your emotions and I had to be told that my thinking was off and you know I mean it was a lot so I'm very thankful you know to be able to share and I hope that people that hear this will understand that it's okay it's okay we can all fight this battle together it is okay right so you know well again man I'm, I'm again. I, I'm, I'm glad I, I had you on. I'm glad you were able to share. Um, I'm hoping this will help somebody else. Um, and I think I'm gonna keep the conversation going. So again, everybody, if you got, you know, a friend, a loved one, you know, anybody that may be dealing with any, you know, mental issues, you know, don't make it um, a thing where you don't want to talk to them. You know, try to be your best. Try to make it, you know, try to be your best where you, you're not being insensitive, but you're being, you know, very cautious on how you talk to them to find out if they need help and just give them resources. You know, I mean, I tell anybody now you can go on Google to find pretty much anything. You can pretty much go on YouTube to find anything. And I think that this month needs to be, you know, the entire month. I know sometimes we we, we, we say, oh, yeah, it's mental health awareness month. And then it's like a week later, it's something else. But no, we need to talk about this thing the entire month, just like. I feel like, you know, just like I feel like, you know, um, um, Black History Month is only one month. No, Black History Month is every day. And I think that this is one of the months and one of the, you know, uh, topics that needs to be every day. Because just because May is Mental Health Awareness Month doesn't mean somebody's not going to be dealing with mental health next month or the, or the month after that. It's going to be something that somebody's going to be dealing with every day, all day. So I think this is going to be a conversation that we're going to continue to have. Um, and, I, and I'm going to try to keep it going. Melva, like I said, again, I appreciate you coming through. But I want you to go in and enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day. So I thank you for doing this for me. And like I tell everybody, man, you got to be better than you were yesterday, man. This is a journey. It's, it's a process. And, and I know that you think that you know everything now and out of the abundance of what you think you speak but sometimes if you would just hold your peace and realize that how you see it today may not be how you see it five years from now and you will have damaged everybody with wrong information because you thought it was an experience and it's a journey I learned my lesson, what a price to pay, and I just got.
should talk to Christ today Lord forgive me for my sins and no weapon shall prosper Lead me away from all these damn imposters Standing in the trial singing I learned my lesson The Lord showed me all the signs but I ain't get the message Thought I got the memo You crossing me never cross my mental It took me by surprise now this shit is monumental But it's pushing me, it's pushing me, it's pushing me yeah. And I just step into the booth and just start killing them dead Cause I'm infatuated we're proving what's mine, and I'm just captivated by these newest methods of mine. And it's just fuel to the flame of this aggression of mine. And just like fine wine, boy, we get better with time. Cause I'm just moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Yeah, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, I'm cruising. Yeah, I learned my lesson, what a price to pay. And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today. Cause I'm just moving, moving. Cause I've been, cause yeah. I've been. I'm cruising, cruising. Cause I've been, cause I've been. I learned my lesson, what a price hey, what to pay. A price and I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ together. And I um, woke up feeling blessed. Told myself, gotta live and let go. No regrets, forgiveness in my heart, never no stress. Mellow breeze, AOT, we the best, no Cali. On this road to riches for a minute, hey, mileage. Had some bustle on the way, guess who couldn't hold on? Sad to say, times got real, look who didn't stay true. Who you? This ain't no shade, just venting, no offense. Forgot to mention you was my brother from another. Nothing but love for you. Hope you shine. I've been told you nothing or no one gon' ever stop mine. Oh no, this my prime time grind. Hey, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Yeah, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, I'm cruising. Yeah, I learned my lesson, what a price to pay. And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today. Cause I'm just moving, moving, moving. Yeah, I'm cruising, cruising, cruising. Yeah, I learned my lesson, what a price to pay. And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today.